Hello, guys. Welcome back to the 28th episode of the Oligarchy Disruptor with your host, Bennett Leon. And of course, we have Ashley Downing. Hey, hey. And today we also have the very special guest, Matt Finstein. Uh, I'm from Round Lake Beach. You could just say I'm from Lake County. Lake County. There we go. All right. And then Matt is an old friend of mine. Uh, I know him from back in the day. He was a very staunch conservative. Uh, very interestingly enough, I saw him on uh, social media very recently. Caught my eye because I started noticing that he was talking um, about like Bernie's talking points and like supporting him actually. So like I, I think it's very interesting to see what his thought process is on that and his logic. So I'm gonna go ahead and pass it on to him to let him introduce himself to you guys. Uh, hi, Bennett and Ashley. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I went to high school with Bennett. Uh, I was a very, very hardline right-wing Republican. Uh, my, my parents used to call me Alex P. Keaton, if anyone gets that reference. <laughs> That's like a boomer reference. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and my parents are, they're moderate Republican, you know, Charlie Baker, Larry Hogan, John K- uh, Kasich type Republicans. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so they're, they're actually from Massachusetts. They're, they're that type of Republican. I see. They're okay. not, they're not as bad as Trump supporters. I don't think either of my parents voted for Trump, actually. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, they're like the never Trump Republicans that you hear MSNBC talking about. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I I wasn't a I wasn't a conservative when Trump was running for president, so I was not actually a Trump supporter at any point, other than maybe talking about in internet forums that it might be kind of funny if he got the nomination back when we thought it was a joke and he couldn't actually win. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> the times on that one. That was actually a well accepted uh, opinion about it, it would probably be funny if he won. Yeah, no, it wasn't funny. Yeah, he won. <laughs> uh, so early in high school, I, I got involved in politics, or not involved per se. I got interested in politics when I was in middle school. Uh, history class with uh, Mr. Worski. I don't know if you ever had him. I did. <laughs> yeah, his history class was probably where I got interested in politics. And... Uh, obviously Fox News was on in the background now and again at home. I heard Rush Limbaugh and everything in the background <laughs> picked up on conservatism and I, I genuinely drank the Kool-Aid on free market, uh, free market supply side economics and boot, and the bootstraps narrative. I, I drank the Kool-Aid for all of that. So I, I actually bought into the, the rugged individualism narrative. Uh, so that kind of carried me along with, I, I was raised very religious in a Catholic home. So uh, my Catholic faith kind of guided my social social ideology until towards the end of high school, I kind of started uh, digging around in internet forums and reading more and uh, led to becoming an atheist where I kind of dropped that social conservative ideology pretty quickly. Well, wow, okay. Uh, Pretty immediately after I graduated high school, actually. So I, I, oh. I, I was a libertarian for, uh, oh. yeah, for 
two two or three years there uh up until the 2016 election i did vote libertarian in the general election i oh. voted in the primary in 2016 for john kazik uh and then yeah my logic in the general was okay trump is absolutely a monster and this joke's gotten a little too far so i'm not voting for him and I get that I get a lot of the the mainstream Democrats like to decry Hillary <laughs> Clinton conspiracy. She's she's shady. I don't know if she's corrupt per se, but I don't know if she breaks the law on the regular. But given every opportunity over a forty year time time span, given the choice between doing the honest thing and doing the slightly shady thing, she chose the shady option every single time. So that kind of says something about integrity, you know? If she's not corrupt, she's maybe a little bit shady. So I wasn't prepared to vote for her. Uh, so I voted for Gary Johnson, you know? He's competent, he used to be a governor, so I have no problem voting for him as president. And then uh, Trump actually winning the election and then kind of pulling the mask out from, from behind that rugged individualism and free market ideology. When you... A lot of people, a lot of conservatives, I think, they really need that mask. They need it to be hidden behind the rhetoric. They, they need it to be about about the free market and the people and small businesses and entrepreneurial spirit and upward mobility. They can't really stomach the idea that conservatism is actually just about the upper classes using identity politics to keep us at each other's throats and distract us from the real issues. So that started a sharp, a sharp curve to the left politically for me. Mm -hmm. So after from 2016 to now, I, I'd say I've tacked very hard left. I'd probably call myself a, a left libertarian social democrat. That, that's probably about where I'm at. I don't know if I'd go full say. I don't know if I support the concept of a state-owned market that far, but. You know, the uh, Bernie's ideas like putting workers on corporate boards or mandating mm -hmm. that public corporations uh, give a share of its equity to the workers. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, I mean, my big thing is I I'd like to see more candidates talking about uh, uh, repealing at will employment. I think that's it's kind of a tumor on workers' rights. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Th those are all really interesting topics. Um, now, would you, uh, wh where did you say, where would you say you consume your media from? Like back then, like when you were like a conservative, I know you mentioned like uh, people like Rush Limbaugh, like back in the day. And then like who you consume your media from like now, like I'm, I'm also interested in that. So it's interesting. I guess my news has already, has always had kind of a populist bent to it, either from the right or the left. Cause to this day, my, from 2010 to now, my news media pretty much comes from, my written media I get from Reddit and various subreddits, and uh, I watch a lot of YouTube from really all of both the mainstream media networks. I, I check CNN stuff, MS, uh, the MSDNC, uh, Fox News, even because you know sometimes sometimes they do give fair coverage now and again, rarely. But You're right. You're right about that. Uh, 
Yeah, sure. And obviously the alternative media networks, uh, I like to get that perspective. My favorite lately has probably been The Hill. I like how they give the two diametrically opposed yeah. perspectives. <laughs> That's that's my favorite. Yeah, I'm actually on it right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I like the Hill, the Intercepts. I like their journalism uh, a lot. Uh, Newsweek, reputable. I, I feel like people that like are kind of give like both sides. I feel like fair fair coverage of what's going on and not too much opinion. And if they do, they label it as an opinion. You know? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's what I appreciate from them. Um, now, would you say that your thought process back then was like more like surface area? Like, oh yeah, like I support free market. I support like all these like talking points of the right rather than like, um, or like, I think that, no, this is what I meant. Uh, do you, were you in the thought processes of like, when you chose your candidates, like, oh, I like the way he talks. I like the way that he presents himself. He's confident. He seems strong. Like, like all those like surface level, like areas, or were you more policy-based when you were in your, in your decision-making of who you chose or a combination of both? Or like, what was that? No, actually, I even even when I was on the right wing, my top priority was listening to their policies and hearing what they cared about. Uh, there were, okay. I, I did actually fact check my like when I even when I cast Republican votes in like, 2014, my first time voting. I want to say that sounds about right. Uh, I, I did fact check them on like Ballotpedia to see wh- where do they stand on. Uh, at the time, one of my big issues was probably uh, weed legalization because Rauner was flaky on it and Pat Quinn was also flaky on it. So uh, I don't think I voted for either. I, I want to. No, no, no. I, I voted for Rauner. I was a strong Rauner bandwagoner that year. Oh, really? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he came out for decriminalizing it. That's and Pat Quinn wafered on it. I, I remember that swung him a lot of votes at ISU, actually. Interesting. Um, how did you feel about his demise uh, to, or actually crushing the feet by uh, J.B. J.B. Pritzker, the current governor of Illinois? Well, four years later, I actually voted for J.B. Pritzker, so I was I was fine with it. Polls <laughs> <laughs> were easy. The only thing is, I wish it had been someone other than JB because of the, 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 the fucking YouTube ads. Oh my god, yeah. Um, I actually mentioned that on a previous episode where it kind of felt like with Mike Bloomberg being... I was just president. gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like where he basically dominated like all like forms of media, like traditional tv like radio like i actually i don't even know if he had radio but i wouldn't be surprised if he was on there i even know that he he had like um instagrammers and like tiktokers like talking about him and like making memes and stuff like he went like all in i mean this dude spent like 500 million dollars on uh his run for the presidency um and i feel like jb pritzer kind of did like a sizable amount as well for at least for a governor's race um, and he dominated it too, so it was very reminiscent of that, for sure. Um, so, um, any current thoughts about like what's going on with like uh, the stimulus package not being able to go through Congress? It's actually taking a while. Democrats, 
just I was reading that they actually blocked uh, the coronavirus package that was yes, going through. Yes, I was just reading that also. Yeah, so um, it's interesting to see why. Um, I'm sure it's because they they conceded a lot. That the GOP actually wrote that bill alone. Uh, not the GOP, but the Senate. They wrote that in between, like their own like debates. There, um, they sent it over to the House. I mean, to the House, and they dared them to stop it. So, um, but actually, the Democrats in the Senate stopped it before it was able to go there. So, well, at least that was the now, intention. Now, this stimulus package is the bill that would have UBI in it, correct? Universal Basic Income. Uh, I believe that's part of it. Uh, that's only yeah. like uh, 250 billion, I believe, is for that. Or maybe it's. I think that may be too little. I, yeah, I thought it was closer to. Oh no, that was supposed to be. That was the trillion dollar one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But actually, I heard that that's supposed to be way more than that. Any any thoughts on that? This. So. Or knowledge. I, I think it's- I think it's actually really interesting what what both parties are doing here. Uh, the Democrats are clearly angling towards some towards a long term solution, and I honestly think it's causing them to lose the short term PR battle here. I, I think they're losing right now because Republicans actually seem like like obviously their true dark intentions are uh, let them eat cake. They want to stand. They want to stand up on their ivory towers and throw breadcrumbs at the people. That's what they're trying to do. <laughs> they're trying to keep everyone from shopping for pitchforks and torches by giving them enough money to buy groceries. Uh, but unfortunately, that's working. The, yeah. the Democrats have done a really shitty job with presenting short-term, immediate aid solutions. They are so hung up on their long-term solutions. They're getting eviscerated on them in in Congress because that short uh, the paid sick leave bill it was abysmal. It covered like twenty percent of the That's workers, true. exempted companies uh, over five hundred workers, and really put it in the businesses put the burden on the businesses who can't take that burden without government help. Mm-hmm. And it didn't include any government help conspicuously. So that kind of nonsense is ridiculous when you've got Senator uh, Senator Harris, who's probably going to be uh, vi- uh, the vice presidential nominee. She's gone out there saying, I want to give 500 bucks a month to every married couple and yeah. 150 bucks to each individual per each single person. I know. Like, Crazy. It's it's stupid she's i clearly get what she's going for here she wants one that they're going to be able to say oh this isn't actually that expensive we can just keep this and then she gets to take credit for being the person who gave america ubi i get what she's doing there but it's terrible marketing at a terrible time people don't care about their long-term solutions they want populists to come in there and kick down the door and and Pull, pull money bags away from the, the Scrooge McDucks bathing in uh, coins. They want to throw coins from the ivory towers, not breadcrumbs. And right now, Republicans are the ones doing that. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Any th- thoughts on that, Ashley? Um, yeah, I mean, exactly. I completely agree. And I think that in the long run, this is going to benefit Donald Trump and his campaign um, because they are taking such um, they're taking measures that are so much more immediate than Democrats are. 
And I also think that people are going to remember this in the long term. They're going to remember how quick they mobilized. They're going to remember, um, you know, who voted for these bills and who didn't and who proposed these outrageous bills, like $500 for each married couple. I mean, just just like what he said. I mean, that's like, okay, you're going to cover my groceries? Like, thanks. Um, <laughs> that's not beneficial. It's not helpful to the average American. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think that it's really interesting to see like that, like Matt said, that the Donald Trump and the Republicans are showing up to the left of the majority of the Democratic Party on these issues. And that's absolute bullshit. That just shows that like, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's going to lead him to reelection in 2020, especially if he's going against Joe Biden. The smart people, the people that actually want to win this election the people that say that their number one priority is to defeat Donald Trump, they should be voting for Bernie Sanders because he's the opposite of Donald Trump on the left. And what did he do when everybody was announcing that they were going to do these UBI? He he wasn't about to let anyone show up on his left. He's like, bitch, I got $2,000 on this, right? <laughs> I got $2,000 for you guys. He doubled it. So... Uh, Bernie's showing up to the plate and I think it's really interesting that he's kind of like taken his focus away from the election and his current status like fall definitely faltering as a campaign uh, as a campaign on a national stage but he's taking his focus and his interest and directing it towards the pandemic and his job as a senator there so I think it's very interesting that he's stepping into the role of the presidency I think we're we're seeing a glimpse of what he would be like and the exactly, kind of attention yeah. that he mm-hmm. would put to the really important issues that face the American people on a daily basis, rather than all the bullshit and taking care of Wall Street and the banks and the people that are reelecting these pieces of shit that are in office that aren't doing anything to help us. How long has it been? And they still can't get shit done. Alrighty, let's wrap it up there. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, It means the world to Ashley and I. Your word of mouth is our oxygen. So thank you guys for that. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us that five-star rating. If you got any kind of value or you learned anything from this podcast or this episode specifically, we would love to hear back from you. Uh, Let us know what you think on there. Uh, you can also follow us on face, uh, Facebook at the Oligarchy Disruptor Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Ben the Disruptor. And you can find Ashley at Ash the Disruptor. And uh, please, guys, make sure you do your part. Vote your conscience. Do what you're supposed to do. It's your civic duty. People have died for your your right to vote. Of course, everyone grows up knowing that. But... It's not something that's really widely taken advantage of, especially in the United States, in which we know for a fact that the majority of Americans do not participate in our elections. And that's what's part of the problem and really leads to a fundamental shift in the how well in how our country really operates on a day to day basis. So. Please, guys, vote your conscience, vote in your own best interest, do your research, do your due diligence, 
don't just go and vote for Joe Biden because you remember his name or Bernie Sanders just because you vote you know that he's that old guy in the race that wants free health care or something like that you know like do like go for something policy based you know go for those things that go for those things that actually mean something don't go and not vote for bernie sanders because you don't like the way his supporters talk like that's fucking stupid that's like beyond dumb and if you're one of those people um you need to realign your shit because you can't go after the voters you can't go after the candidate because of how they're how people they can't control the millions of his supporters are like behaving online so that's absolutely fucking ridiculous but once again guys i'm just gonna wrap it up here thank you again for listening to this podcast and we will see you next time